I wanted to share with you guys out of the book of Acts. I titled this message, Acting Out. So if there's a title for it, listen, when, when your building gets destroyed, when most of the people in your church have lost their home or displaced, and Lake Charles lost about 10,000 people so far, it's kind of crazy. Um, so when the contractors leave, and on Saturdays and Sundays, it's kind of like a ghost town over there. Um, you just... Stop worrying about sermon titles. We don't have buildings, so we're meeting in, in Hamilton Christian School, and it's actually been phenomenal. It's just still wild. And to, in the middle of adversity and difficulty, when you do trust the Lord, you get to see some pretty cool things. And so the future is bright for us and for our church, and I'm excited about it. But like when, when God shows up, like for example, uh, about six weeks ago, we I signed on property, so we, we purchased property in Morganfield, right next to Hamilton Christian School. We're going to build in conjunction with them. We'll have shared use facilities. We're actually building um, a, a building that we're going to see in, in Kansas City for the second time, which is a life church building with Pastor Craig Groeschel, if any of you guys know him. Um, so we're building one of their buildings on 11 acres, and right next to us, Hamilton Christian Schools building their brand new school on 11 acres. So together, we'll have obviously 22 acres um, on the east side of Lake Charles, which is where it's growing. And it looks like we'll be able to, we're planning on purchasing Hamilton Christian School, kind of keep that on the down low. But, um, and that whole six acres, I realized I shouldn't have said that. Um, seriously. <laughs> So that we'll be building um, a, a dream center there to be able to minister in the community as well as a secondary campus. So it's really awesome. All we need is about $14 million. So if anybody's here and you're like, that's on your heart, please come see me afterwards. And yet it's crazy to watch what God does. You know, even in the closing for the property, those 11 acres that we bought in Morganfield, um, we, we paid not much at all, at all. And for the first time in my life, I wrote a donation statement on an IS, IRS form, form 8232 or something like that, or 8223. And we brought the check, it wasn't that big, for 11 acres. And then I had to fill out the donation statement for 1.14 million. Isn't that cool? <laughs> How does that happen? Here's what's crazy, the man, and this all happened like the rest of this story happened yesterday. That closing was about six weeks ago. The rest of it happened yesterday. The person who's in charge of Morganfield, I didn't understand why they were giving us the land. Uh, they had already said they would be donating no more property because they donated property to Hamilton and to St. Louis Catholic. And so that's really expensive property, by the way. But here's how God works, even in the middle of craziness. This all happened yesterday. I met with a young man that had been disconnected from me for almost 10 years, and his life turned into a train wreck. And yet God showed up, and, and he got right with him, and he's back in Lake Charles. I connected with him this week, and his, he's asking, where's the church meeting now? Is the church destroyed? He didn't know anything. I'm like, yeah, it's destroyed. We're meeting at Hamilton, but we're building out in, in Morganfield. He said, Morganfield? He's like, my mom runs that whole thing. And I'm like, I know your mama, bro. Mama, I'm thinking he's crazy, you know, he's tripping because he's had some issues, you know, life controlling issues. And I'm like, this boy tripping, he's tripping pretty hard. And uh, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, cool. Your mom, I know your mom, I know his bio mom really well. Well, yesterday he texts me, hey, I'm with my mom, dash stepmom, and she does run 
Morgan Field, and when I told her who you were, she knew about the church getting the property donated because she's the one who made the call, and she never could understand it, except that when she met me, she felt like she had to do everything she could to get the board to agree to donate more land to our church, not realizing that her stepson that he calls his mama— This is what's crazy. Like, she was sowing seeds into him because he's reconnected with me, and it's been kind of a God thing. And to watch how God works and turns situations that are crazy around for good is pretty wild. Isn't that cool? So when God tells you to do something that may not seem to make sense in the practical, just realize that you're sowing good seed for a harvest that you may not even know is coming your way. And listen, everybody wants to get all riled up. Well, I get money coming my way. That's, that's the least of it. What would you rather have, a kid that's back whole and healed and serving God or all the money in the world? You want your kids. So acting out. I want to look at the, at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I know it's an audacious goal, but um, we're going to do the first two chapters, and and here's why. Because in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, we get to see the blueprint of how we as followers of Jesus, how we corporately as the church should live, how we should do life together, what the church should look like. And just an FYI, that the church at this time was under Roman rule. So it's, it's been interesting to me because uh, I, I read an awful lot. Um, I have a degree in English, a degree in history. I love like to talk and I love to, to study history and current events. And we all look at like the oppressive government. I've had people freak out on what's going on culturally, what's going on politically. And it doesn't phase me at all because the first church was living under Roman rule. That meant every aspect of their life was lived under scrutiny and oppression. The taxes were insane. The freedoms were non-existent. If you were not a Roman citizen, you had no, you had no right for anything. They could execute you f- for whatever reason. It was an unbelievably oppressed society. And yet Jesus, like the, the creator of all, decided to show up in, at that time in history where the Roman Empire was not only the most oppressive, but it was the most morally depraved. It was more morally depraved than the United States and the culture that we live in in our country and really the rest of the world. Unbelievably depraved. Every indulgence that was known to man from, from whatever you can think of sexually, yep, yep that was there. They, they actually had uh, vomitoriums. Most people don't even know this. They would gorge themselves, and then they would go to a vomitorium where they could make themselves throw up so they could go back and gorge themselves again. Because everything was, was about living for the moment. It was an unbelievably oppressive and depraved culture, and yet Jesus showed up right in the middle of that. Why is that? To show us that even in the worst, when we trust him, we'll become the best, not because we're good, but because he is. And so, as we look at Acts chapter 1... It's a great reminder for all of us as the world around us begins to look more and more like Rome. We are called to live more and more like the church in the book of Acts. This is our call. Like, I remember as a kid, like, acting out was always, like, a negative thing because, unfortunately, I acted out a lot, and I got in a fair amount of trouble because I was ADHD and wiry and crazy and wired, like, all the time. I know uh, Lori Scott tried to give me like some highly caffeinated coffee this morning, like some special like Rev coffee, but it wasn't from the roaster. It was like, had like wings on it and stuff. I'm like, you don't want me to have that. 
Because if, if, if I drink that stuff, I'm going to be so buzzing, I'm already naturally pretty, pretty twitchy. Like, I'm, I'm going to be twitching all, all over the place. And, 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 here, here's, and see, I'm already ADHD and out. No, as, as a kid, I, I was constantly acting out. There's such a negative connotation. But for us, I want us to see that this shows us how we should live, not just as individual be- believers in Jesus, but corporately as the church. So let's, let's look at this. Y'all ready? Here we go. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything. This is Luke writing. He says to his friend, he said, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up to heaven and given his, uh, and after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During, 40, uh, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I, I want to stop right here because I was reading and praying this morning. That stuck out to me. Is it normally this loud when it rains, by the way? Okay, because it sounds like the building's about to fall down up here. Okay, good. I'm going to read that again. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And I started thinking, like, how does Jesus prove to you that he's actually alive? Do you have God's stories? As I've gotten older, and I've been a, a, a pastor now for a pretty, pretty long time. We planted the church in 2006. Y'all want to know the first time I ever actually preached a message to adults? It was in 2006, right here. <laughs> at, at, at our Savior's church. This is my first sermon right here in my hometown. Never preached. It's pretty cool. I'd never preached to adults before. And, and I got to tell my God's story that started right here in Jennings, where at eight years old, I walked up the aisle at First Baptist Church. I don't remember what the pastor said. I don't remember the message. I just remember that I knew that I was a sinner at eight years old and that I needed Jesus. That began my God story. But I could just go through time after time, 14 years old, out on West Division at a funky old nasty church with, with a handful of other, other students. I was about to start Jennings High and we're gonna go out into the parking lot on the strip where all the teenagers rode the strip and we were gonna witness, we were gonna tell people about Jesus. And I didn't wanna do it, my mama made me go. Still mad about that, not, not really, because it, it was a transformative moment, and I, I didn't want to go. I'm about to start Jennings High. I, I, I don't know everybody. They don't know really anybody there. Um, I'd been going to Northside Christian School and then homeschooled one year, and like now I'm going to high school, and we're ab- about to pray to go to those parking lots. And as we hold hands, and I do not want to be there, we hold hands to pray, and God clearly spoke to me. And he said, this is what you'll do with the rest of your life. And I had no idea what that meant, but it was a God moment that changed everything. And then when I graduated high school, went to LSU and Eunice, they had an accelerated program to go into med school a year early. I did really well in that program. I was a semester away from applying to med school and had the grades to get in. And, you know, my dad was excited. He was a physician here, wanted me to come back and practice with him. And I'm walking from the student union with a guy that I barely knew. And he starts telling me, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Like, I mean, I'm in school, but I don't know what I'm going to major in. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And what happened next, what came out of my mouth surprised me because I started, I started telling him, hey, man, 
you need to seek God. Like, I, I love the Lord, and I was involved in, in my church, and, 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 but, like, I, I wasn't, like, preacher boy. And it started coming out, like, hey, man, you need to seek God, but he's going to show you the path. He's got a plan for you, but you've got you to gotta talk to him to find out. And the guy totally blew me off, and as he's walking away, the Holy Spirit very clearly spoke to me and said, that was all for you. And I knew at that moment I wasn't supposed to be a physician, but I didn't know what I was supposed to be. It became a defining moment. I'd met my wife there. We were dating. And, and then I realized I had to tell my mom and dad that, hey, I, I'm not going to be a doctor. My mom was like, I told her first, and she's like, oh, you just trust the Lord. It's going to be amazing. And, and then she, uh, my dad's pretty rigid. And so um, my mom said, why don't you wait till tomorrow to talk to your dad? <laughs> And I'm like, I got it. I'm like, you soften him up. I sat and talked to my dad, and he's stone-faced. I'm like, Dad, uh, let me tell you what happened, and I really feel like I'm not supposed to be in medicine, and, and like, uh, I don't know what the Lord has, but I really feel like this is from him. He just looked at me cold. He said, you have four years to get out of college. You will graduate on time. Is that understood? Yes, sir. <laughs> but that, that changed the direction of my life because I heard the voice of the Lord. I mean, there's way more than that. There's so many more. The times where my wife was, um, this was years ago. My, my wife, geez Louise, I can barely hear myself talk. It's really always this loud? Bruh. Can y'all give me some, there's no monitor because it's in ears. I literally can't hear myself. This is the weirdest feeling ever. I can see my, I can feel my lips moving, but I can't hear diddly squat. I'm just hoping y'all there. Y'all there? Oh, okay, yeah, thank you. No, just there's so many more times that Jesus, what does it say? He proved in many ways. I mean, my wife was told um, she had an, an incident that was much like a stroke, but they didn't know what it was. They thought maybe uh, they found a, a hole in her heart and an atrial septal defect, and they think maybe she, uh, she, she threw a clot and had a stroke incident, and they told her you can never have kids. We had one kid now we have four. Said if you have kids, you could die. Like, my wife has not driven in almost four years because she started having seizures three and a half years ago. You can't drive if you have seizures. They got so bad that it was started, devolved into startle seizures. That means that if, if somebody, you know, yelled real loud or plates at a restaurant dropped, like, she could have a seizure right there on the spot and all that happened. And yet, we watched... God work and heal her. And she'll be driving in October because she hasn't had a seizure since October. For no, like, no, like, why, why did they stop? Because Jesus showed up and we walked through a door that even if y'all know Pastor Jim LaFoon, Pastor Jim LaFoon says, I feel you got one more door. And we walked through it and God showed up because Jesus, here's the thing, he proves in many ways that he's actually alive. And so in the first church, Jesus had died, he'd resurrected, he'd come back for 40 days, he's talking. Over 500 people saw him face to face. They, they accounted for that. And Jesus proved to them that he was alive. Here's my question Where's your God story? Where's he proved to you that he is alive? Let me tell you, he is alive. And if you're wondering that, you're going to have to step out in faith at some point. You're going to have to put some good stuff inside of you. Seek him. Jesus said, if you seek, you're going to find. If you ask, it's going to be given to you. If you knock, I'll open the door. And people are like, God, where are you? Look, I get it because sometimes it feels like God's a million miles away, doesn't it? Jesus was in the grave for three days. Everybody thought he was, was dead. There's always a waiting period with God. 
But if you remain faithful, if you trust him and continue to seek him, he's going to show up. And when he does, he's going to prove to you. How do you know something's true? There's only one way to find out if something's true. You got to put it to the test. And a lot of people fail to put the Bible to the test. They fail to put the Lord to the test. Man, trust him. Step out in faith and watch him show up. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Look at verse 4. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he makes this amazing promise, but it comes with a little tagline. Here it is. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. Do not leave Jerusalem. Because here's the crux of receiving what it is that God has for you. Here's the crux of having a God story that you know there's no doubt. This is Jesus alive at work in my life and he's proving it to me. Here it is, you ready? You have to walk in obedience. There's one thing to follow the teachings of Jesus. It's another to follow Jesus. Because when you follow the teachings of Jesus, that can help develop moral character. But you can have the development of moral character in your life, but still have a dead relation with the living God. Does this make sense, guys? Like, it is one thing to follow the teachings of Jesus. It is another to follow Jesus. Because when he speaks, that means that you're going to obey. And I think that's, that's the, the foundation for why oftentimes people go, I don't have much of a God story, but I'm really doing the right thing. Because you can do the right thing and still not be in a vibrant, life-giving relationship with Christ. It's just actually possible. Because that means that you have a mental understanding and a logical conclusion that you've, you've, you've derived from looking at his teachings and saying, oh, those teachings are good. Let me follow those. And you can follow the teachings of Jesus without understanding who he really is, is the Savior, the Lord, the creator of all, and the Savior for your life. It is actually possible to do that. In other words, you can be a good person and still not, like, you'll be following his teachings, but you're not following Jesus. You guys following me? But something happens when you hear his voice and you obey him. Don't leave Jerusalem till the Father sends you the gift. So here's the kind of the threefold thing. I look at, if there's a formula for us to live like the first church, here it is. You ready? We have, here's the first one. We have to understand the difference between submission and surrender. And we have to know that God's heart for us is not simply submission. It is for us to be surrendered to him. You can be submissive to the word of God and not have the heart behind it. You can be submissive to the teachings of Jesus and completely miss the heart because you've missed it by 18 inches. You've got it here, but you miss it here because you can submit with your mind and you can by force of will do what God has called you to do to the best of your ability to live a moral life, but you can miss the surrendering thing right here. 
And this is how we become a life-giving representation of who Jesus really is, that we will prove by our lifestyle, not simply by our actions, but by our heart that we have surrendered to Jesus, not just submitted to him. And if, if you wonder, what does that look like? If you got teenagers, you already know. You already know. I heard a, a pastor friend tell this story. And uh, he said, he was talking to his son and and they were in a, in a heated argument, and his, his son's a teenager, and he's like bowing up. And if, if y'all got teen, I got, a, I got an 18-year-old who's, who's taller than me, and he thinks he's tough because he does jiu-jitsu. I'm like, I bite, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> he's really good at it, so I really have to bite. Um, but he's looking at his, at his son, and his son's getting up in his face, and he tells his son, he says, you sit down. Dads, y'all know what I'm talking about? Sit down. And his son looks at him, just kind of stares at him. I said, sit down. The kid sits down, looks at him and says, I may be sitting on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> you can be submitted and totally miss the whole point. Because it's, look, our, our, our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to just simply obey. He wants us to recognize that, our, that he, His way is better than ours, and we surrender ourselves to it willingly. Don't leave Jerusalem. Pfft, I don't even like Jerusalem. Like, I don't want to stay in Jerusalem. Man. I live up in the north. It's prettier than up there. Like, it rained too much in Jerusalem. There's too many hurricanes in Jerusalem. I don't want to stay in Jerusalem, but it's a flood and ice storm. We got a pandemic. Jerusalem's terrible. I hate it. But fine, Jesus, you said I'm gonna gotta stay in Jerusalem. Fine, I'm gonna wait for you, Jesus. Come on and show up. Yeah, praise you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Let's take communion. All right, Jesus. You can be obedient, but with a wrong heart. If we want to see a life-giving transformation in us, in our community, in our church, like we have to recognize that it's not about submission. It's about surrender. I mean, submission, that's like a wrestling term. Have y'all ever watched jiu-jitsu or watched UFC? Man, I know y'all have. Don't lie. Don't be like, oh, that's violence, and I'll partake in none of it. You lie. <laughs> y'all waiting for that goofy fight between uh, Mayweather and what's that kid? YouTuber. Logan Paul, yeah, they're like, oh yeah. What is submission? It's to the place where somebody has you in such a painful situation that you just tap out. And I think a lot of Christians live a dead life, and we don't look like the book of Acts, and we look like we just ate, like, I don't know, like a, a whole lemon, just whole, rind and all. I'm doing exactly what you wanted, Jesus. This is what you want, I'll do it. That's a recipe for misery. What he wants is for us to be able to trust him to know that what he has for us is good. But we have to understand the difference between submission and surrender. Man, for years, my wife is like, we get into a discussion. We get into a really heated discussion. And she would say, and this is so true, she would say, you know what? Oh, you're right. You're so right. You are. You're right. You're right. But the way that you say everything makes it all wrong. 
I can't win for nothing. And you know what my problem was? I was just trying to win. Just surrender. Just surrender. Do we get that? Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And a lot of people feel like they've been cursed. Lord, I'm cursed. Yeah. When you're surrendered to Jesus, you don't get curses, you get blessings. This is Old Testament too. This is Deuteronomy chapter eight. Like when you surrender, you get blessings. And it's like people are in this Eeyore spirit, like, oh, I'm serving Jesus. I'm waiting for him to show up. This is so miserable though, Jesus. <laughs> oh, come on, snap out of it. Like seriously, like my, one of my, my number two, okay, my number one life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That means stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to come up with your own solutions. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. God, I don't know what the heck going on. This is crazy. But I'm going to trust you because I know that you're good. I'm not going to try and figure it out. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. And then you can go to Psalm 23. Where does he direct you? He's going to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And for a lot of people, especially in Lake Charles and Jennings too, that was like the last year. But that's not where we stop. But unfortunately, if you have a heart of submission rather than surrender, you're going to stop at the bad places. And you're going to focus on the negative. We will all have to walk through a broken world that is Rome. But whatever you focus on is magnified. So if you want to break the, 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 the Eeyore spirit, look, I get it because I had to walk through that junk too. It's what you focus on. And I realize, like, if I want to get in a bad place, you don't even have to try to do that, do you? You just have to stop putting yourself in good places. I need to be in the presence of God. I've got to have the discipline of listening to good music. And with, I'm just going to say, as a musician with Christian music, I'm sorry, it's really pretty bad. But there is some good stuff out there. You gotta find it. I know it, there is, I'm sorry, I'm just a musician. And like, I love everything and listen to it all, but man, I gotta get my worship in. I've gotta get like praise in. Man, I'm wearing out. I was just, I was spent the night at my house last night and I was like, hey bro, have you listened to Kane? I'm like, what is that? So it's a band out of Nashville, they're phenomenal. Actually, I think they're out of Murfreesboro. They're amazing. And, like, th their songs are just so good. Y'all have heard them. I'm sure some of y'all, like, Rise Up Lazarus. And that's, like, one of the weaker songs of the album. Like, I'm so blessed. Yes, you can't. It's just declarations. Because whatever I focus on will be magnified. And when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, if I focus on that valley of the shadow of death, that's why I feel like death. But if I focus on the shepherd who's leading me to good pastures, things are going to get better. Because I'm not just submitted step by step. I'm surrendered to the shepherd because I trust in him with all of my heart. I don't lean on my understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him. He's going to direct my path. And I know this, that Romans 8.28, my second verse, all things work together for good. But most people stop right there. See, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy statement if you stop right there. All things work together for good. No, that's not true because bad stuff happens to good people. Like, there's some crazy stuff. Like, what's, what's the phrase that everybody uses? Like, well, everything happens for a reason. Now, what? Now, we live in a mess. 
messed up world. Some stuff just happens. I'm sorry you got sick. I'm sorry you got in the car wreck. Everything happens. Okay, that is, we live in a broken world, and that's not God's heart. But if we trust him, and we, we don't try and do it ourselves, and, and we acknowledge him, and we let him direct us, we can know that all things will work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Are you called to his purpose? See, that's a big question. Don't leave Jerusalem because I've got a gift for you. Fine, I'm going to wait, Jesus, because I'm supposed to be obedient to you and I'm not supposed to disobey you, so let me wait. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Somebody's got you tapped out spiritually. They, They got you in an arm bar and you're like, all right, I'll do it. What you don't realize, he's got a gift for you. He's got something good for you. You may have to walk through hell. Just keep on walking. Isn't that a country song? It is a country song. Submission versus surrender. Don't leave Jerusalem till the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized. You'll be immersed, baptismo. That just means you'll be immersed in the Spirit of God. So when the apostles were with Jesus, and this is after his resurrection, he's, he's like come back from the dead, and they still don't fully get it. Said They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? There, it's, it's right here, isn't it? Is it time to free Israel and restore? You know what they were focused on? Politics. They were focused on politics. I love y'all. Please stop focusing on politics. And you're talking to a guy who reads a lot of news. But there is a way to read the news and not let it affect you. Because you can let it be information. But if you let it become something that you need for transformation to get you on the right track, you just replaced God's word and the voice of the Holy Spirit with BBC or Fox News or USA Today or whatever it is. And th- this is what, the, has the time come? Like Jesus is back from the dead and they're like, let's get rid of the oppressor Rome. Are you gonna be the next king? And they didn't realize that the transformation and the salvation that Jesus was bringing transcended the world And we may not be called out of our specific geographical, geopolitical, socioeconomic situation. But when we trust him, when we surrender, not just submit, everything kind of changes. He ignores them, by the way. Has the time come to restore our kingdom? And I'm kind of convinced that Jesus often ignores our political prayers. Lord, please let this candidate win. What? What? Y'all realize that we live in, in, in a republic, right? That means that we elect the people that, that are up there. And, and when the heart of the nation gets right, like when the heart of the nation gets right, everything else will take care of itself. Like I don't need to be political because I know Jesus. Jesus wasn't political at all. He stayed away from that. In fact, when he tried to get tricked into the political argument, like, hey, should we pay taxes? Now they got him. You know, if you say, no, you shouldn't pay taxes, they're going to turn him over to the Romans. You know, the Romans like, hey, he's, this guy's in rebellion, and he'd be locked away. If you say, yes, you should pay taxes, he's going to turn all of the zealot Jews against him. Remember, he even had a zealous political Jew as one of his 12. Y'all know who it was? Y'all know who it was? Serious? It was Judas, Judas the zealot. Anyway, that was a political thing, by the way. 
Has the, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He totally ignores them. I love that. He replied, the Father has alone has authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. And then look at verse 8. Isn't that interesting? That's not for you. Stop worrying about the political stuff. But look at verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power telling people about me. Here's the second thing. That if we're going to see the transformative power and the hope and the life of Jesus in our lives, we have to be surrendered, not just submitted. But here's the second thing. We have to embrace servitude. It cannot be about us. It's servitude. If you have problems picking up trash wherever you go, like, I, I don't know, I, I hate litter. I despise it with everything in me. Y'all know litter. Louisiana and the South in general, but Louisiana is the worst for litter. Do y'all know that? That's so funny. My wife hates litter as well. I don't know how we both born and raised in Louisiana. We hate litter. She had somebody uh, kind of out where we live. We live out in the country. She saw like a, a McDonald's bag get thrown out of a window, and she stopped. My son was driving because she can't drive. She stopped, picked it up, brought it to the house, and gave it to the person who... <laughs> she's like, uh, this is just a few months ago. She's like, I- I'm sorry, I think you, this flew out of your truck. <laughs> you want to know the real test of servitude, though? I think I'm a servant. I, I, I don't litter. Here's how you know if you have a heart of servitude. How do you respond when someone treats you like a servant? Hey, you do this right now. Talk to me like that for. Tell me, Pastor Josh, tell me, I need to pick up the trash out of the parking lot. It's stupid. Like, why can't he get somebody else? I mean, he can't do it. He can do it. He can do it. I can't. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? All that reveals is how much life is about us. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's so that we can be used as instruments of God to speak the truth and the life that we've first experienced in Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is not about tongues, by the way. It's not. I've seen that verse used. It's not. It is about telling people about Jesus. That our lives don't just speak it, that they reflect it because we've been in the presence and in the power of Christ. Are y'all following me? Okay. Surrender, not submission. Servitude. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, telling people about me. And then Jesus goes up in a cloud, and they're called to wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. Y'all remember that? Go to Acts chapter 2. They've been waiting a long, long time, a whole group of them. And on the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, verse 1, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. 
Y'all realize what's going on, right? They've surrendered to Christ. Obedience marks it. You you can be obedient and have a heart of submission, but when we have a heart of surrender, we have no problem with servitude because we recognize that our life isn't even our own. What did you do to get here? What did you do to get here? Like to be on this planet, what did you do? Why should you be special just because you showed up? You ever been with people and they like go to a restaurant and think they they gonna like they got something special? They're gonna go like get a, a seat when it's packed out. Have y'all ever been with people like that? And they're like, watch this, and then they fail. I find that hilarious, by the way. Like we've been told that everybody's special. And we are all children of God, so don't miss here because we are. We all have a specific purpose, and God has a purpose and a plan for us. But the purpose and plan for us is not for us to be exalted, not for us to experience greatness. But when we surrender to the purpose and the plan of God, and our life is lived as a servant. Remember, what is it? Matthew twenty twenty eight, where Jesus said, "The Son of Man, like the Creator of the universe in human flesh, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom." For for, for many. So when our heart of surrender meets an attitude of servitude, what ends up happening is we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit that is not for us to get some cool gift or to do something cool, but that other people through us get to experience the miraculous power of Jesus in their life, and they hear about him, and we're just a tool. Such a negative connotation. That person's a tool. As a follower of Jesus, we get to be, I'm going to say instrument because it sounds better than a tool, but the reality is we're a tool in the hands of the creator to take a broken and sinful and messed up world and make it right. And it's not because we're that good. It's because he is. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the third thing. You ready? It's, sur- it's surrender, not submission. It's servitude. But here's the third thing. It's like we have to walk full of the Spirit of God. What spirit are you walking in? It's so easy to walk in my spirit. Did it yesterday for a little while. Didn't mean to. I had to ask God for forgiveness and my wife. Moving on. But seriously, let's be honest. Is it easy to get in the flesh? You'd think that the longer you're following Jesus and the older that you get, that the more it'd be, it'd be easier to, to, to live, you know, by the Spirit. I'm not so sure about that. When you go to a church and it's mainly old people, is it a dead church or an alive church? Which one is it? In general. Yeah, everybody... <laughs> All the old people are like, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Although I look around, y'all don't have any old people up in here. I said, who was that tall guy that had gray hair and the glasses spoke just before me? No, <laughs> I love you, Pastor JJ. <laughs> it's, is it easy to live by your spirit? I have to make it a discipline. I've got to get up. I've got to get in the word. I've got to get in the presence of God. I've got to put my earbuds in. I've got to worship. Because if I don't, We keep waiting around, like, Jesus, when are you going to show up? When's revival going to happen? When's this going to happen? Like, when, when are you going to fix all this brokenness? And he's going, I told you, wait for me. Like, what do you wait? We just leave. We do our own thing in our own way. But what happens when we wait with the right heart? We have a, an attitude of servitude. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise 
everyone came running. Okay, why? Because you have a big room full of people that have been meeting and praying and waiting for the promise, the gift that Jesus promised. And so they're waiting, and now it's Pentecost. It's, 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 it's the pinnacle of this huge festival. And, and all of a sudden, as they're praying, somebody opens their eyes, and like they see like a flame on top of their head, like fire. And that would be pretty trippy, wouldn't it? Like, I, I have a very vivid imagination. So when I think of that room and, like, they're praying and, like, oh, this is so good. Like, my goosebumps have goosebumps. And, like, this is so good. And they open their eyes and there's fire on top of everybody's head. What would be your natural response? Probably be like, wait, what? <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. That, somebody invariably went, got the door. What's that? <laughs> Somebody opened their mouth and said, what is going on? But what came out of their mouth wasn't Aramaic or Hebrew. It was a language that was native to people that were in the city that maybe traveled for a long distance to be a part of that festival. Or maybe they'd been living there, but they heard the truth about who Jesus was in a language that they understood. Don't you ever say, oh, I, I, I'm no good at talking to people. I, I just can't relate. When the Holy Spirit's involved because you've surrendered to him and you have a life of servitude, Jesus will use you to speak to people that are completely opposite of you. He'll use you to reach people that nobody else can reach because they're not because they're, they're unable even as a follower of Christ, but because they're unwilling to wait in the presence and then trust that when the time comes, they know that their mouth's gonna be open for the right reason. They were bewildered, and they heard their own languages being spoken by believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Look at verse 13. It says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. I'm wrapping up, so if anybody playing keys, I don't know if nobody playing keys. I, I don't know what y'all do here. Maybe somebody comes out and plays a tambourine. I'm, I'm not certain. <laughs> they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. When we surrender, we have a heart that's surrendered. We have an attitude of servitude. It's not about me. Before I was, uh, before I was pastor in Lake Charles, I was kids pastor at Our Saviors in, in Broussard. We only had, well, we'd had two campuses there, and I was pastor at both the campuses for the kids. But that was only a small portion of what I did because I was also the the groundskeeper and the janitor, and I oversaw all of the facilities. And listen to me, Kevin, I'm convinced that one of the greatest things that I ever did was clean toilets, sweep floors, clean up nasty vomit from kids that got scared to death because we brought the devil in in a costume. That was a bad idea, children's people. But when our surrendered heart meets an attitude of servitude, and I'll do whatever, I'm telling y'all, I really believe I got, I got more crowns in heaven 
for cleaning bathrooms than I ever did preaching a sermon. And when that surrendered meets that attitude of servitude and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us, the world's transformed. But there's one thing, and I'm going to end it with this. Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, and he begins to preach Jesus. The world will never be changed simply because we have a heart of surrender. I want you to get this, hear me through. When we have a heart that's surrendered, when we have an attitude of servitude, even when we are living full of the Holy Spirit, we have to step out and embrace the opportunity. If Peter never would have stood forward, stood up, the church never would have been established. You want this church to be established in this community in such a way that it's going to leave a generational lasting impact in that Jennings, Louisiana, Lake, Ar Lake Arthur, Louisiana. I got a great joke about that. I'm not going to tell it in church. Um, <clears throat> it's true though, right? Yeah, I, I better. I know. I mean, that's why you're on the front row, you know? <laughs> I'm thinking, man. <laughs> They'll never be the same. You, but here's the thing. Like, the only change, because you're surrendered, you're, you're, you've got a heart of servitude, you've got to live full of the Holy Spirit, but you've got to step out and embrace the opportunity. Peter stepped forward. You've got to step up, step out, and you've got to be able to speak the truth of who Jesus is to the people around you. Because you can have a sweet and surrendered heart and, and, a, and a servitude and, and led by the Holy Spirit, but you can keep your mouth shut. <clears throat> And if you keep your mouth shut, the purpose and the plan of God for the person in front of you will never happen. You can say, well, I'm going to live by my lifestyle. And you should. But part of your lifestyle has to be embracing the opportunities. Because when we all become like Peter and we step out and we speak the truth of the love of God into the places of brokenness and the hurt, people around us, lives are transformed. I'm just going to pray that just a spirit of boldness comes on you. That you're surrendered. And Pastor JJ, I'm going to let you wrap it up. Father, I thank you. <sighs> Father, I thank you that you know all of us and that you chose us. In spite of our sin, in spite of our past, in spite of our stupidity, Jesus, you chose us. And that, Father, I just pray that there's just a spirit of surrender in here, that we don't just submit, like, Lord, we're not following rules, that, Jesus, that we're following you, that we surrender to you. Lord, that we have an attitude of servitude to follow you, and that, Jesus, we walk by your spirit. If you're here and you say, Pastor, that, this message is for me. I feel like I've been in a rut, in a routine. I, I, I need that vibrant relationship. Nobody's going to embarrass you or call you out, but if you're here and you say, that's me, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you right where you are. Just say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Bunch of hands. 
Father, I just pray that there's life in this place, that you use our Savior's church, Jennings, to reach a region, that, Father, that, that Lake Arthur is never the same, that Jennings is never the same, that Welsh is never the same, that Elton is never the same, that Hathaway is never the same, that people know you are here because your people are full of your, your power because they're walking by your spirit, living a life of servitude that's surrendered to you. Bless them and use them in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all know this? The best is yet to come. Y'all know that? It's an honor to be here. Love you guys.